doesn't say that uh, baptism is a symbol of dying with Christ. It says, when I was baptized, I did die with Christ. I mean, baptism is really a death of our flesh, of our old Adam. Uh, and it is really a raising up into newness of life by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline, and I'm uh, with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. How are you today? Fine, Evan. How are you? You you sound tired. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. What's wrong? Oh, I get you were up all night with with the new baby. I bet. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> Carrie was. If she was on, she might sound tired. <laughs> I'm doing just fine, thank you. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I think a couple of weeks ago we were talking about uh, how I was tired from, from living the single life. And uh, you're tired, or in fact, not tired, <laughs> for living the married life. So that, There you go. Different <laughs> vocations require different levels of sleep. Very good. Uh, you were up till 5.30? What, 5.30? Uh, writing a sermon? Nursing your own little sermon, baby? I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, this, this, we just got on the finals week here at the seminary, and there were two nights in a row that I got two hours of sleep. So... Uh, I did a lot of. Sl- I didn't even go out last night. I was pretty. Sl- I was pretty tired. Oh, what a sacrifice! Oh, brother! Don't worry, uh, listeners. None of the funds that you donate to Table Talk Radio uh, go to support uh, Seminary and Gig Lines nightlife. <laughs> yeah, how was Domino's last night? By the way. Oh yeah, good. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we've got a good uh, show uh, in store for you today. Uh, we're playing. Uh, what are we playing today? I don't have my list. Bible B. The, the, my favorite game, Bible Bee. Then, after that, my favorite game, Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And then, after that, my favorite game, uh, Contemporary or Traditional. Can you believe that? What a lineup. That is a lineup. And um, I'm going, we're going back and forth with Bible Bee. You are on the hot seat for Who Wants to Be a Theologian. That's right. So let's get started with Bible Bee. And uh, I'll, I'll hit you first. These are All easy. Right, I'm ready. Man, it's like giving you these softballs. Good. Here it is. Now, if we have died with Christ, we shall live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. What a beautiful text. Uh, there's a couple places it could be from. You, we have the Romans 6 text that talks about dying and rising with Christ. Uh, and uh, and that's um, But that talk, is a connection with baptism there. We have the Galatians, like 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me this sort of thing. But I think, Evan, and it seems like there's a couple more places in the epistles. I think that's going to be from um, from 1 Corinthians, where Paul is talking about the resurrection there in 1 Corinthians 15. I, I'm actually not 100% sure about this text, though, because uh, because this is a great and marvelous theme of Paul's. But I'm going to say 1 Corinthians. Is that right? Now, when I said it was easy, I was just kind of kidding. Uh, this is actually from <laughs> Romans 6, like you said. <laughs> oh, is it? You yeah. took out the baptism part. I, I, I moved down to verses 8 and 9, which is after the, the baptismal part. 
Oh yeah, well there you go. It, Romans six is a it's a beautiful section there because Paul is he he just like he does in all of his epistles, he's moving from uh, from the doctrine of justification then to the doctrine of sanctification or Christian living, and he always seems to transition by talking about baptism. I mean, baptism is really the thing that bridges the, our forgiven state before God with our forgiven living before our neighbor. Uh, and so now, because of baptism, our lives are hidden with with God and Christ. It's that's a beautiful text. Yeah, but you here, did. You got me. Yeah. Here's verse three. Uh, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And uh, there's not a lot of symbolism language in that text, Pastor Wolfmuller. Yeah, sorry about that for all of you Baptists listening <laughs> who wish it was. Uh, it doesn't say that uh, baptism is a symbol of dying with Christ. It says, when I was baptized, I did uh, die with Christ. I mean, baptism is really a death of our flesh, of our old Adam. Uh, and it is really a raising up into newness of life by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. So it's not a symbol of these things. It is, it is the reality. Uh, this is what someone says, you know, hey, you got to be baptized. Uh, you got to go all the way under. You got to be totally immersed. Well, why? Ask them why. And they say to you, well, because uh, because baptism is a symbol of dying with Christ. And you say the response to that should be something like this: symbol schmimble. There's no such talk in the. <laughs> you like that? There's no such talk in the in the Bible about symbols. It says well, I was baptized with Christ. I was I was buried with him. I was crucified with him. There's no sim- symbolism there. This is the Bible speaks in realities, in verities, and so we we uh, we rejoice in that text. So. Was, was this a, a scholarly debate you were having when you said uh, uh, symbol schmimble? <laughs> That really works, though, huh? Uh, did I tell you about uh, the the conversation that the Lutheran pastor and the Baptist pastor were having about immersion? Was did Scott? I tell you this? No, go ahead. So, uh, so there's a Lutheran and a Baptist pastors, and they're talking. And the Baptist pastor says, "Look, you got to be completely immersed for it to be a valid baptism." And the Lutheran says, well, "What if the guy only goes up to his waist in water? Does it count?" And Baptist says, "No, all the way." Well, what if he goes up to his nose? Does that count? No, he has to go all the way under. What if the Lutheran says, "What if he goes all the way under except for just the tuft of the back of his head? Does that count?" And the Baptist says, "Look, I'm telling you, you have to go all the way under." And the Lutheran says, "Well, I, look, that's exactly what I'm telling you. It's just a little bit of water on the head that matters." <laughs> I'm gonna laugh at my jokes. <laughs> re, re, cricket sounds in there. Oh man! Sorry, I, I, I couldn't find the applause button. I was looking for it. <laughs> Laughter. Where is it? All right, let's move along in this game. I'm ready. Uh, All right, two. No, no two points verses. for you. No points for you. I know it. It's terrible. Two verses for you. Uh, this is show is right in the end of the church year, right? So I have a. Some end of the church year themed uh, verses as well as uh, uh, hymns later. So here's the first one. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, all that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Hmm. This could be in a, a number of places. I'm not completely sure. Um, it could be uh, a book like 
Daniel or Ezekiel, but I'm going to go, I think it's uh, the book of Revelation. That's close. You're right. It does have apocalyptic language, but it actually comes from the Old Testament apocalypse, the book of Daniel. Oh. uh, Where Daniel sees, he's watching in the night visions, and he sees the vision of the Ancient of Days. Uh, so it's Daniel chapter seven verses thirteen to fourteen. But look, you you are you have good instincts here, uh, seminarian Gagline, because uh, because John uses a lot of this language when he writes and sees his revelation as well. But here's maybe the point from this: uh, we we have the language of Jesus when he his title for himself he calls himself the Son of Man, and we say where where does that come from? We know Ezekiel always is addressed by God as the Son of Man, and it's especially as he's uh, in his humility. But here we see the other side of the language is Son of Man, and that, and that is the second person of the Holy Trinity who dwells in the glory of the Father who comes to the Ancient of Days and is presented to him, and he's given a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nation, and languages should serve him. So when, when Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, it really has this wonderful twofold meaning. It, it refers to his humili- humiliation in his flesh and in his suffering and in his dying, like it did for Ezekiel. But also it uh, speaks of his divinity, of his divine nature, that he inherits, even according to his human nature, the glory of God the Father. And that's what this text in Daniel 7 gives us here. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're not doing so good here. You got skunk egged. <laughs> Is that it? Skunked? Goose egged. You can skunk <laughs> Skun- I so did I. lay eggs. <laughs> we better, so we better go to the next text and try to get some points here. Okay. Well, uh, this one, I, I think you'll get it. Uh, in fact, you, you set the expectations so high. I, I'm pretty sure you'll get this. Um, right. I'll, I'll be embarrassed for you if you get it wrong. <laughs> you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Very nice. That, yes, I think I'll get this one too. Just to, to kind of talk about the text a little bit. So Jesus is speaking, so we know it's going to be um, one of the Gospels. Or, uh, I mean, perhaps a few places in Acts or in Revelation, but really it's going to be one of the Gospels. That mark, truly, truly, amen, amen, that's, that comes up a lot in the Gospel of John. That's one of the indicators of John. Uh, the other Gospel writers will just give us one amen, truly, I say to you, but John is, gives us the truly, truly. And in fact, John is such a beautiful Gospel because it, it really emphasizes the words of the Lord Jesus. And here Jesus in this text is talking about baptism, uh, and the necessity of being born of water and the Spirit. And so it's it's actually John chapter 3, verse 5 is what that verse should be. Hey, so I'll give you 200 hey. points for getting the book right and, and, and an extra point for getting the chapter and verse. <laughs> One point? You are stingy. <laughs> uh, well, and it's this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, and he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again or born from above. And Nicodemus says, how can you go back into the womb and come out again? And Jesus chides him and says, look, I'm talking about being born of water and the Spirit. I'm talking about the new birth of baptism. And this is necessary now to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Uh, well, so let me, let me, let me pause thing. you right there, and then we'll uh, take this commercial break. And we'll continue right where we left off with more Table Talk Radio after this commercial break. This is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. Table Talk Radio is my favorite Lutheran radio game show. 
And we're back to more Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolfner, continue where you left off. I'm sorry to uh, cut you off there. We were, so, so we were talking about John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus and this, uh, and this wonderful discussion of baptism and talking about it being necessary to enter the kingdom of heaven. Beautiful text, really, uh, because in baptism, you see, this is the big difference between Lutherans and really everyone else on the doctrine of baptism. Is baptism a, a work that we do, or is it a gift of God? Is it law, or is it gospel? And and we see in the teaching of Jesus and the teaching of all the apostles that that baptism is the gift of God. It's a gift of uh, forgiveness and life. It's it's His work in us. And so we see that this baptism brings the gift of eternal life and salvation. Uh, it, it it opens the door to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says to Nicodemus. And so uh, we rejoice that the Lord has baptized us and called us to be His own children. And, and isn't it funny that Nicodemus uh, falls into the very same area that you're addressing? That w- when Jesus is telling Nicodemus about baptism, that you must be born of water and the Spirit, uh, what, is, what does Nic- Nicodemus do? Uh, well, how do I do that? How do I get into my mother's womb again? What, what is it that I can do to do that? And he just says, no, 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 it, it's, it's purely by, what, by God's action. And another thing I want to address with this verse, uh, sometimes you hear people make a division between um, a water baptism and a spirit baptism. You've heard of this, Pastor Wolf Miller. Um, sure, sure. Uh, but one thing that's interesting about this, and you can see it uh, more in the text, uh, in the Greek text, that there's the word ek, uh, out of in the Greek, only appears once. So it's out of water and spirit. However, if it was speaking of two different baptism, a water baptism and a spirit baptism, it would in fact say out of water and out of spirit. Uh, so it is talking about one baptism that is of both water and spirit. Yeah, this is great to watch Seminary and Gag Line working with the Greek. It's like the guy that gets a new car and he takes it out for a spin, you know, first. Oh, it's nice to see. No, I think it would be more like the guy that, that, that gets a new car that's a uh, manual shift and doesn't have a, know how to drive it. So it's like, <laughs> 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 No, you make a good point. This Kai in between, it joins the two together and... Uh, it, you know, you can have it too, just from Ephesians four, where where Paul says that there's one baptism. Uh, there's not two baptisms. There's one. There is the pouring out of the Spirit, and there is the baptism of Jesus' death. That these things uh, accompany the uh, the apostolic mission in the Book of Acts. But uh, uh, there's some good hard work to be done reading through Acts and seeing this um, uh, the the Spirit coming on. Uh, but uh, but you're right. The baptiz- the, when we are baptized with the water, it's it's really the word that's there, the word of Jesus, through which the Holy Spirit comes and works and delivers and gives and all of this. So all of us who have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can be confident that the Holy Spirit is ours, that he is our inheritance. He's the, he's the deposit until the resurrection. Uh, that's how the scriptures will speak of the, uh, the Holy Spirit living in us. So this is a marvelous gift. Very good. Okay, next one. In in fact, speaking of that, is your next verse. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Oh. oh, oh. Um. <laughs> I'll give it to you again. If the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. I might go with Romans because Romans talks a lot about this uh, inheritance with Adam. Excuse me, inheritance with uh, Abraham. Um, in in 
Uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, let's go with Romans. Let's see. Let's see how I do. You are right that Romans talks a lot about Abraham <laughs> and inheriting but. the promise. In fact, Romans four is all about that. But this is actually—I mean, it's similar, very similar. This is this is actually taken from Galatians. Oh, chapter, that was my next guess. Uh, chapter three, where Paul is using a lot of the same arguments with uh, Abraham and the promise and the gospel and this sort of thing. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I, I I give you John three five, and you give me Abraham. It could be either in <laughs> Romans or Galatians. <laughs> right. That's true. You still don't have any points. Hey, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but here the the contrast is between law and promise. I you know Evan I think that one of the things that we don't speak enough about is the fact that the gospel is a is a promise. I mean it's a set of words that is it is the promise of God for us. The forgiveness of sins is God's promise. And the reason why the reason why we're saved by or we're justified by faith and not by works why we why we have the forgiveness of sins by faith and not by works is simply because it's faith that grabs a hold of a promise. The law demands action. A promise invites believing. So if I say to you, hey, stand up and turn around and yell your head off or something like this, uh, you can't say, oh, uh, I believe you. That doesn't make sense to believe a command. You gotta, to keep a command, you've got to do it. But if I promise you, uh, hey, everyone's going to really love this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that promise would go. You, you can't say, okay, I'll do that. You can't. You, you see what I mean? A promise yeah. is, invites you to believe. And, and so the gospel, as it comes to us, is a promise. This is why faith is that which grabs hold of the, of the promise of the gospel. Uh, we, can't, we can't emphasize that enough, the, the kind of pr- promissory character of the gospel. When I was doing some planning earlier today for this for this show, I almost did because we're playing a, a Who Wants to Be a Theologian after this. I almost mm-hmm. did another one of these things where I, I, I read a, a section out of the uh, a book of Concord, and you have to uh, guess where it comes from. I decided yeah. not to, but in doing so, I read this. This is from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession on Article Four, Justification. With the acknowledgement of the fundamentals in this issue, namely the distinction between the law and the promises or gospel. It will be easy to refute the opponent's objections, for they quote the passages about the law and works, but omit passages about the promises. And so uh, the, the, uh, the error that I guess you could say Rome was, was falling into was they were quoting the passages on, on the law, the works, saying, look, uh, works are demanded in the scriptures. And it's true, works are demanded, but we can't do it in the perfection that God expects us, expects us to do them in. And uh, for that, we only rely on the promises of God for that. Right. Nice work. That's still, that's not coming up later? Well, I guess we have it now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, no points still for you. We're on to round three. You were telling me how you didn't like round three because you don't like finding these uh, words that stand alone in the Scripture. You, do, have you uh, gone over this, that a word that only appears once in the Bible is called a hapax legomena? Yeah, we don't know what it means, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's basically it because you don't have anything to compare it to. So when a word comes up only once, you're, you're kind of stuck unless you can find it in some other ancient ch- source. But I figured out why you don't like these hapax legomenas. Do tell. Uh, because these words are single. They're all by themselves. <laughs> what are you getting at? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, uh, Pastor Wolfner, uh, in describing our radio program, used this metaphor uh, for a rodeo. Do you want to tell us that, that metaphor again? What, that I'm the theological bull rider and you're the rodeo clown? Radio clown, I mean? Yeah, that one. Yeah, See, I, that one. <laughs> everybody knows, uh, as goofy as the, uh, the, the rodeo clown looks, 
he is the one that steps in and saves the day from from the the bull rider getting hit by the bull after he falls off. So anytime you start to try to handle this theological bull and it kicks you off, I'll be there to step in and and save you from the danger of such a enormous beast. Oh, I'm glad I've got that comfort. <laughs> and uh, I I think the the bull rider. I don't know if. I view you as more of those little kitty kitty ones where they put you on like a a sheep and they just kind of let it run and you fall off in two seconds, you know. Well, clinging to the Lamb of God—that's how I'll take that <laughs> metaphor. Okay, well, here's the one word, and uh, this is—you uh, get more points for this because um, it appears in three books. This one word appears in three books, and I want you to name as many as you can. Ready? All right. Ready. The one the one word is Abba. Abba. Okay. Uh, Galatians uh, has it. We cry out the Spirit poured into our heart. Abba, Father, uh, Galatians chapter 4. Also, I think the same, Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit in our heart to cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, And then, let's see here. Does Jesus uh, say Abba one time? I think there might be a a prayer of Jesus if i can uh, i can't remember but let me let me just say abba matthew the gospel of matthew how how did i come out uh you got galatians correct you're right galatians 4 yep. 6 romans correct uh romans 8 15 uh and then it's actually mark mark 14 oh. 36 uh he was saying abba father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me yet not want i will but what you will nice yeah, Mark. You, Mark likes to go to the Aramaic there, so should have known Aramaic simply being the uh, Abba being the Aramaic word for Daddy, Father, uh, and and the Holy Spirit then in in our hearts uh, puts that prayer uh, to to God our Father in in our own mouths. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You're right. Think about that. If, if Jesus was was the only one uh, who who could pray that prayer, Abba Father, uh, to the Father. And then in Romans and, and, and Galatians, through baptism, that is given to us. That when we come out of the waters, we're crying, Abba, Father. We've been adopted as sons to God the Father. Right. That's exactly right. So, you know, we read it like a John 3.16, the text, that, that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father. That, that the Father has only one Son. Jesus is an only child. But by being in Christ, we also become the adopted children of God. So we can say with John again, First John, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. That indeed is a love beyond all telling. That's for sure. Well, we are out of time for this segment. Do you think I should give you any points for those? I mean, you got, you got the gospel wrong, so... <laughs> you can decide in the break. Okay, we'll do that. Then we'll come back, finish this up, and we'll head right into Who Wants to Be a Theologian? Be right back for more Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is my favorite illustration for the fall of man. Welcome back to more Table Talk Radio. Uh, where are we? We have one more, right? 
for this. One um, more, and then we're going to get to who wants to be a theologian. So you have the, we're playing Bible B, and you have the one word uh, clue. And here it is. It's in two books, and I'll give you full points if you get either one right. The word is trimmed. Trimmed. <laughs> is this one of the, we don't know what that means because I guess it's used twice. So. Yeah, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, each use it once. Boy, uh, hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna. I'm hmm. just gonna throw out a guess with uh, Galatians, but I'm not sure. Galatians? Can you think of it? Here, I'll give you. Uh, here's one. And uh, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes. For the day the king departed, until the day he came back in safety. So that here's would, the that would be the Old a, Testament one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Second Samuel. Here, here is those a New Testament. Maybe you can have a guess at this one. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Um, that's oh, that would be from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, the parable of that's the ten virgins. Right. That's right, the parable of the ten virgins, which is so. Uh, so you don't get any points. You you got it the second go around. Uh, but so tell us points. about the parable. Because I'm still, I'm still deciding whether or not uh, to give you points for getting two of the three. All so right, I'll, I'll give pa- you some points. <laughs> I'll give you points. One for each wise virgin. That's five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In in this uh, in this text, Jesus is saying, or Jesus gives us his parable uh, about the five wise virgins who who took enough oil for the for the weight uh, of the bridegroom, and then there are the the foolish virgins who who did not. And so when when the time comes. Uh, the foolish virgins asked the wise virgins, can we have some of your oil? And, and wise virgins said, no, there's not enough time. And so the, the groom opens the door and, and invite in the, the, the wise virgins. But when the foolish virgins come back from getting their oil, um, the groom says that uh, they're not welcome in and they'll be thrown to the outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which I always thought was a tough punishment for not bringing oil. That's right. It, it, only because the oil, of course, is faith, trust in the coming of the of the bridegroom, and it's those. Uh, you, you see, the the one of the points of this uh, text is that there's ten virgins there, and you can't tell the difference. But they they all have this, these lamps, and they all look the same. They all look like Christians. And uh, but Jesus, as he's telling these parables of the end times, is really emphasizing the fact that when he comes, there will be division. He'll divide the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the good fish from the bad fish, and the wise virgins from the foolish. Those who trust and believe and and, and wait with faith for his promised coming. And those who have um, who is who have abandoned the faith, even though they might do as many good works as Christians outwardly, uh, their their lamps are empty. Uh, their faith is is diminished. So how do we how do we fill up our lamps? How do we have that oil? The answer is simply by by hearing the Lord's word. I mean, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, so that we want to constantly be hearing and uh, studying the, and and listening to the Lord's word of gospel, His absolution and. And by this, the Holy Spirit works to, to fill our lamps, to, to, to continue to keep us in the true faith. Okay, uh, we should move on because we've spent more than half the show playing Bible Bee, which is, which is okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm, look, I'm you gonna, have only five points to show for him. Uh, I'm, I decided to give you 133 points for the last one because you got two-thirds of the answer right. <laughs> nice. So that's 133, and then you got 200 for John 3-5, that softball. 
So uh, that gives me a 333. Okay. Except for you gave me 201. So that's 334. Oh, is that right? Oh, bummer. <clears throat> good, good catch. Okay. We're playing Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And you start off at the, at the bottom of society. Um, the, the lowest you can possibly be no matter, no matter what. And that is as a Table Talk radio host. <laughs> oh, seminarian, seminarian. Don't get, <laughs> next year we'll have to change it to being you start off as a vicar, which is even, I think, lower than a seminarian. Uh, I don't think they're going to give if me a, a vicar. Is that, if a church will take you. <laughs> We've heard that guy on the radio. We yeah, don't we want don't want to. <laughs> yeah, that's what will happen. Okay, here's your first one. And these are all quotations from... The uh, Heidelberg Disputation with Luther, and what you have to do is you have to complete the thesis. Oh, brother. So this is thesis one. The law of God, the most salutary doctrine of life, cannot advance man on his way to righteousness, blank. Is it A, because of its impossibility to keep, B, but rather hinders him, C, for man will at least err in thought, if not also in word and deed, or D, unless he repents for listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> nice. Now, do you want to tell a little bit about the Heidelberg Disputation to give our listeners, uh, uh, those who are playing along at home, a chance to catch up here? Oh, I don't. Okay, yeah, this is a disputation in Heidelberg, Germany, uh, with uh, Johann Eck. Is that right? Well, and, it uh, was the Augustinians all gathered there together. They they called Luther to get, write some more theses a year after the ninety five theses, fifteen eighteen. And so, uh, and so Luther goes, and he has these theses. They expected him to have uh, theses on indulgences and this sort of thing, but he comes with this distinction with the theology of the cross versus the theology of glory, much to everyone's surprise. Uh, and really, you see in this theses Luther on right on the edge of uh, grabbing onto law and gospel. Uh, very, very close. Very good. Okay. <laughs> How about that? So I, I, I had no but, idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, the this, this most stunning one is the second one, B, it hinders him. And and this is kind of what Luther's doing in the Heidelberg Theses. He's kind of got this shock and awe tactic here. And so I think I'm going to go for B, the law hinders a man on the way to righteousness. So if this, your choice would read like this. The law of God, the most salutary doctrine of life, cannot advance man on his way to righteousness, but rather hinders him. Is that is that how you want it to read? Right. That's that how is, I want it to read. That is correct. Congratulations. Hey. You're now a peasant. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, da, da, da. That's much better uh, than a table talk radio host. We, <laughs> brother. Look, this is an amazing kind of thing to realize, too, because this is exactly counterintuitive. We figure that the law helps us on the way to righteousness, but it doesn't. The law shows our sin. In fact, Paul says the law increases sin. If there was a law given by which man might become righteousness, then Christ died in vain, Paul says in Galatians 3, so that so that the law does not aid on our way to righteousness. Rather, it hinders us, but it hinders us to the point that we realize that we need the gospel to come in and rescue us. Uh, so that's the point there. This is yes. beautiful stuff. I mean, really, if th- this kind of evangelical insight is what is what uh, set Luther apart and, and Lutheranism apart and got him in so much trouble because of this radical understanding of the distinction between law and gospel. All right, so you ready for your question as a peasant? Yes, ready. Okay, this is from Thesis 3. Although the works of man always seem attractive and good, blink. Is it A, 
They are indeed really eternal merits. B, they are, in fact, only useful in service to your neighbor. C, they are nevertheless likely to be mortal sins. Or D, click the Donate Now button on our website, (laughs) tabletalkradio.org. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to guess uh, oh, again. What was that? They are really mortal sins. Is that B or C? That is C. So it will read like this. Although the works of man always seem attractive and good, they are nevertheless likely to be mortal sins. Yeah, that's I'm going to go for that one. And that is correct. All right. Luther's working a lot with this distinction between mortal and venial sins. In fact, if someone ever asks you uh, the difference between mortal and venial sin in Lutheranism, you, you could really, we have the distinction there in Heidelberg where he'll say, say a bit later, he'll say, a venial sin is a sin that we consider to be mortal. A mortal sin is a sin that we consider to be venial. So in other words, if we think our sins aren't that big of a deal, then they actually become mortal damning sins because we're not taking them seriously. But when we consider our sins to be so dangerous and deadly before God that we uh, repent of them and consider them such, then they become venial. They don't destroy our salvation. It's kind of a stunning thing. That's right. And that's actually going to help you on your next question as a monk, because this (laughs) is from Thesis 12 along the same lines. So we went from 3 to 12, and 12 says this. In the sight of God, sins are then truly venial when a... They are victimless sins, and your neighbor is not hurt by them. B, they are common enough that most people commit them every day. C, they are feared by men to be mortal. Or D, they are sins against Table Talk Radio. (laughs) How do you sin against Table Talk Radio? (laughs) I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) I haven't either. Hey, we never read that listener email we were going to read. We'll, we better we'll, get to that. We'll do it after this next break coming up. So what's your answer? Or do you want to do, do you uh, want to answer after the break? C, no, I got it. C, it's when they are considered to be mortal. The more, if we consider our sins to be serious, then they lose their threat of destroying us. It's when we consider our sins to be no big deal uh, that we show that our soul has been, uh, our conscience has been hardened and sins are very, very dangerous. That's right. And uh, that'll take us to the end of this segment of Table Talk Radio. Um, but don't go away. We're going to be finishing up this game, Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And then heading right into this game, Contemporary or Traditional. So uh, more Table Talk Radio and Surf for you right after this break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Table Talk Radio is listener-supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org, or mail us at P.O. Box 223, Yuma, Colorado, 80759. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. I want to read a listener email before we finish up this game, Who Wants to Be a Theologian? And uh, this comes from Michelle in listening in Kansas. And uh, she said that she was listening to our, our idolatry award show and she had to laugh. Uh, she had to laugh. <laughs> she had to laugh. <laughs> Is that a common reaction to our show? People are laughing all over the all over the U.S. She had to laugh because she went to a birthday party on a farm where uh, they were singing some campfire song, something like uh, Give Me Oil for My Lamps. And this particular line in there thought that it, it would be deserving to be in the Idolatry Award show. And the line is this. 
Give me salt for my Dorito because God is neato, neato, neato. <laughs> oh, you you la- are laughing because you said, oh, that sounds like chapel at the seminary the other day. <laughs> Give me salt on my Dorito because God is neato, neato, neato. I, I, I uh, replied to Michelle and said, uh, I'm going to say that to you because you like singing heretical songs in the shower. So. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, for listening. I uh, really appreciate it out there in Kansas. Hope thing is well out there. And uh, let's continue with this game. Uh, who wants to be a theologian? Pastor Wolfmuller is in the hot seat, and he is currently a reformer aspiring to be excommunicated Luther style. All right. And, and uh, this is the final thesis, which I forgot to mark what number it is, but here it is. Free will after the fall has the power to do good blank. Is it A, only in a passive capacity? B, as it did before the fall. C, in matters of service to the church. Or D, in giving to Table Talk Radio on their website, tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> oh, hey, how come all the Ds are about donating money? You should make one of them about calling our, our secret phone line. I say yeah, that, secret because I don't think anyone ever calls it. So what's the phone number again? Because I'm going to give... Anyone who calls this next week, anyone who calls our number and leaves a message or comment there, 1,000 points. <laughs> this is like oh a boy. plenary point giving. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, 866-851-5523. Yeah. We should put together a certificate of 1,000 Table Talk Radio points, and we could send it out to you. Uh, yeah, you take you care of that. I don't want to take care of that. Uh, okay. okay, are you stalling on this? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's C actually works to the church. Can you believe that? I think that's what it is because L- Luther is having this discussion about uh, what satisfactions the church can require, and he says this the church can require temporal satisfactions, and and there's this whole discussion about that, and I think it comes in there. So I think that's what it is, even though it sounds kind of crazy. I think that we still have the free will to do service to the church, uh, but I'm not a hundred percent on this one, so. Okay, well, uh, it's too bad we got rid of the lifelines in this game because that is, in fact, incorrect. Oh, uh, the, cor- the correct thesis, which is number 14, should read like this. Free will after the fall has power to do good only in a passive capacity. Um, and then the rest of it reads, but it can, o- it can always do evil in an active capacity. Oh, there you go. There, there you go. Uh, that only good can be done to us that's the only thing that can happen only god can come to us and and give us faith and trust in him and all of this sort of thing so uh nice luther in the last part of the these heidelberg theses he has all these philosophical theses i think that's really kind of the last time he goes in for this philosophy stuff because he criticizes aristotle pretty well and then he i think he's done with the philosophy Uh, And this is kind of a philosophical argument, but it comes across practically in this is that we say that there are different states of of mankind, of man's will before the fall, after the fall, after baptism and after the resurrection. And so that the state of man's will is different before Adam fell than it is after the fall of man. And for us Christians, the state of our will is different than it was before we were baptized. So that there is this kind of... um, uh, there's these anthropological shifts, shifts in the very nature of man's will that occur when God uh, does his work in us. Yeah, that's right. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, the scriptures describe us as uh, being dead in our sin, and uh, dead corpses uh, don't do anything. Um, Luther uses the example of a pot of water. At what capacity does a pot of water uh, have to boil? 
Um, of course, it, it can't boil of it on its own. It has to be acted upon by a flame outside, uh, and then it has, has a passive capacity to boil. So only only when when uh, God's faith is is uh, spoken into us by His Word, uh, then only may we uh, have any good works whatsoever. Oh, All right, you got me on that one. Whew. With only five minutes left, we're gonna head into this game, uh, contemporary or traditional. So the rule is, uh, if the if the uh, hymn is was written after 1750, then the hymn is uh, contemporary. If it was written before 1750, then it's traditional. Uh, 1750 was the annoying number that Pastor Wolf Miller picked, simply because he likes saying that that hymns written in the 18th century, 19th century, are, are contemporary. Right. So people walk right. out of the church all the time. Love the contemporary worship today, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. okay. That's true. So here here's here's your hymn. Christ our Lord came to the waters, pure and spotless though he be, a great gift to sons and daughters of his love bestowed to me. Baptism gives this gift divine, his forgiveness truly mine, the true promise of salvation by his son comes to completion. Uh, yeah, I th- uh, that's a kind of nice baptismal hymn. It's I think it's a new one, though. Uh, in fact... That might be by your professor Cantor Resch or someone like this, but I'm going to say that's a contemporary hymn written uh, within the last 20 years. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Th- this sure. was what is it? this is this is written in 2008 um, by yours truly. <laughs> what? You wrote that? We You're had sucking <laughs> up to Cantor Resch. <laughs> no, we, we as an assignment for my uh, Telegia baptism class last year, we had to write a baptismal hymn. Oh, and so I, I I wrote it to the the tune of "On My Heart" and "Print Your Image," and uh, because and the reason I picked that one is because it's a one stanza hymn, and so <laughs> I only had to do one stanza. Hey, <laughs> so you're right. Nice that is work. contemporary. Two thousand points. Oh yeah. Hey, this points out something too that you know the theology of a hymn does not depend on when it was written. Uh, there's some great new hymns. I mean, I, I don't know about that one. I have to. Hear it again. <laughs> there's some great new hymns and there's some really bad old ones. Uh, so it's not the time; it's what it's the content and how they deliver Jesus and the gifts that He gives to us. That's what that's what matters in the whole deal. So that's right. Okay, your turn. All right, I'll pull out one of my own hymns here. Jerusalem, the golden, with milk and honey blessed, beneath Thy contemplation sink heart and voice oppressed. I know not, oh, I know not, what joys await us there. What radiancy of glory, what bliss beyond compare. There is the throne of David, and there from care released, the shout of them that triumph, the song of them that feast, and they who with their leader have conquered in the fight forever and forever are clad in robes of white. That's great. Uh, I, I think this is probably going to be traditional. I would be, I would be surprised if this is contemporary, uh, just because people don't write like, write like that anymore. So I'm going to go with traditional. You are right. Bernard of Mor- uh, Morlus, uh, right around 1140, uh, wrote this hymn, uh, Jerusalem the Golden. Uh, beautiful, beautiful hymn about the, uh, about the resurrection, about uh, the eternal state, about what awaits those of us who trust in Christ, uh, the sweet and blessed country uh, of God's elect. Whew. Very nice good. Work. All right. Hey, we're... We're hitting home runs here. Do you have another one? Do we have time I've, for one more? I have, an, I have one, one more. I'll, I'll, I'll let you be one up here. Okay, here it is. Our God is an awesome... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless, my soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? Know then this word of truth remain. By grace you too will life obtain. By grace I'm saved. Grace free and boundless. This is a good old, uh, it's a Reformation hymn. Uh, the danger, of course, with the uh, with this hymn is that it, it speaks a lot about grace, and, and everyone speaks a lot about grace. It's when the Lutheran doctrine comes in and talk about faith and stuff is when we get it clear. But this is I, this is a fine, fine hymn. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be right on the edge, though. I'm going to say, I'm going to say traditional traditional but probably not by more than 30 years that is correct uh this is written in 1742 (laughs) (laughs) oh man radio clown getting after me again (laughs) i thought for sure i was gonna get you on that one yeah right on the that's right on the cusp yeah all right well that's all the time we have oh i just well uh christian Select or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just closed the hymnal and I had it up oh. here to look at the date. So anyway, no we're out of time, but uh, you are clearly the winner after dominating in Who Wants to Be a Theologian and a Bible Bee. But uh, don't worry, uh, the, the the radio clan will step in to save the day when you get in trouble. <laughs> don't worry, seminarians uh, are used to humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget to visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, and we have that thousand-point offer by Pastor Wolf Miller if you call our our toll-free number, 866-851-5523, and leave a message, and uh, he'll send you a certificate of 1,000 Table Talk radio points. Which uh, tell, tell us what that's good for, Pastor Wolf Miller. Points are like uh, the preaching of John the Baptist, to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world to a Calvinist. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, by the way, I have one real quick. Uh, uh, it's a little bit different. Uh, Pastor Wolf Miller's use of technology is like uh, asking a, uh, a business consultant to, to grow the church. <laughs> nice. Has you no idea. You insult absolutely everyone in that. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right, we, nice better, we better sign off here. So thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.